Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to the, let's see, this is the Thursday edition of the Georgine Rice Show, How Time Flies When You're Having Fun. By the way, tomorrow, James and I will be broadcasting live in real time from the studios of KPDQ. I think we're both a little nervous about it, but really excited to be back home, if you will. Anyway, we're looking forward to today's program as well. We'll talk about what's going on in the state of Oregon with regard to COVID, as well as nationally what the uh, what the talk is, what's happening with the Olympic Games, and much, much more right here on today's program. First of all, the number of people in Oregon who died during the historic heat wave that started last month has grown to 116, according to the state medical examiner. The majority of deaths reported by the state so far in Multnomah County, Oregon's most populous county, of course. At least 72 people there uh, died due to heat since the 25th of June. Marion County was reported, or rather has reported 13 deaths, Clackamas County 12, Washington uh, nine deaths, Deschutes County, uh, two deaths, Lynn County, uh, three, Columbia County reported two, Umatilla, Union, and Polk Counties have all reported one death each. The number of deaths could continue to grow as counties report more information. Well, the heat wave, as you recall, started on Friday, the 25th of June. Portland set new heat records on three consecutive days that peaked at 116 degrees On the 28th, in Multnomah County, most of the people who died had underlying health conditions, according to officials. The majority died in their homes with no fans or air conditioning, if you can imagine what that must have been like. Their preliminary cause of death is hypothermia, which is an abnormally high body temperature caused by a failure to deal with heat. Between 2017 and 2019, there were only 12 deaths from hypothermia, so 116 is a dramatic increase. In other Oregon news, the bootleg fire, a wildfire that broke out in southern Oregon uh, in the mountains, is spreading in uh, windy, hot, and dry conditions there. Uh, yesterday, fire officials said that the fire had grown to 11,000 acres with no containment. The fire is burning in steep, rugged terrain in mixed conifer and lodgepole pine in the Fremont uh, Wanima National Forest, about 10 miles northeast of unincorporated community of Sprague River. Two properties uh, located northeast of the fire are under level two um, evacuation orders, and people who live north of this, the uh, town of Beatty are under level one. That's be ready orders. Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue said that the uh, task forces from Yamhill, Polk, and Marion County have been deployed to help fight the bootleg fire. Task forces from Yamhill, Polk, and Marion County have been deployed to the bootleg fire in uh, Klamath uh, County. Another fire, the Jack Fire, burning east of Roseburg in Douglas County, has grown to an estimated 2,395 acres with no containment there. An official said uh, additional evacuations were ordered on Wednesday evening in the area of Dry Creek near Highway 138. The governor has invoked the Emergency Conflagration Act that makes more state resources available to fight fires in those areas. Meanwhile, as the Delta variant of the COVID-19 virus spreads around the world and within the United States, some here are pushing to bring back health measures from the peak of the pandemic, like mask wearing, even for vaccinated people. Now, no jurisdiction has uh, reinstated the uh, mask requirements or other similar mandates yet, 
And officials in some states have said the evidence currently suggests doing so is unnecessary. But other jurisdictions are raising the alarm that the Delta variant, which was first discovered in India, could require a retreat to pandemic health measures. And some individuals are explicitly calling for mask mandates. With increased circulation of the highly transmissible Delta variant, the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health strongly recommends everyone, regardless of vaccination status, wear masks indoors in public places as a precautionary measure. That's a quote from the Los Angeles County officials in a statement. Barbara Ferrer, the county's district, uh, or rather director of public health, acknowledged that vaccines are very effective in protecting against the Delta variant. But she added mask wearing remains an effective tool for reducing transmission, especially indoors where the virus may be easily spread through inhalation of aerosols emitted by an infected person. So we'll continue to follow that story, but keep your eyes and ears open for what happens Next. Well, as uh, countries rush to vaccinate their citizens, the global death toll passed 4 million on Wednesday. That's according to Johns Hopkins University. The Delta variant is spreading through some uh, countries where vaccinations lag, causing a wave of death, the World Health Organization chief uh, said on Wednesday. Variants are currently winning the race against vaccines because of inequitable vaccine production and distribution. Uh, The number of deaths is approximately the number of people killed in every battle since 1982. Two, according to estimates from the Peace Research Institute, Oslo, and more than three times the number of people killed in traffic accidents around the world every year. Even then, it's widely believed to be an undercount because the overlooked case, uh, cases and deliberate concealment. Global death rates are currently less than half of the highest point in January, with more than 18,000 deaths a day. Well, as the Delta variant of the coronavirus surge um, through the U.K., almost half of the country's recent COVID-19 deaths are of people who have been vaccinated. But doctors and scientists aren't sounding the alarm about the apparently uh, high proportion of deaths among the vaccinated population there. On the contrary, they say the figures so far offer reassurance that vaccines offer substantial protection against the variant, particularly after two doses. Well, Delta, first identified in India, has since spread to at least 85 countries, including the U.S., where it's now estimated to be the most common variant. The U.K. is a testing ground for how vaccines are coping. Delta is racing through the country with 146,000 identified cases in the past week, 72 percent up from the week before. The country is also a world leader in identifying through testing and genetic sequencing which versions of the virus are prevalent. By mid-June, 97% of cases were Delta infections, and Delta is spreading among a population that is among the most highly vaccinated in the world at 85% of adults, where they have had at least one vaccine shot, and 63% have had two. The spread of the Delta variant has led the UK government to postpone by a a month the ending of COVID restrictions until the 19th of this month, but ministers are increasingly confident that the unlocking will be Um, will take place rather as planned because vaccinations have broken the lockstep between new cases, later hospitalization and deaths. Well, the Biden administration is launching a new door-to-door effort to vaccinate Americans after falling short of its 4th of July goal of having 70% of the adult population with at least one shot of the coronavirus vaccine. Well, amid the administration's ongoing concerns of a surge of the more contagious variant, Delta, of the virus, President Biden pitched his plan to boost the vaccinated population during remarks he made on Tuesday. Now we need to go community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door-to-door, literally, knocking on doors 
to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki also referred to the door-to-door effort while listing the five objectives of the Biden administration's COVID response earlier in the day at a briefing citing targeted communities' door-to-door outreach to get remaining Americans vaccinated by ensuring that they have the information they need on how both the uh, safe and accessible the vaccine is. Well, critics were quick to slam the new initiative on social media, including several GOP lawmakers. How about don't knock on my door? You're not my parents. You're the government. Make the vaccine available and let people be free to choose. Why is that concept so hard for the left? That's a quote from Representative Dan Crenshaw, a Republican out of Texas, reacting to the president. Well, a fully vaccinated veteran has been hospitalized after being diagnosed with the Delta variant here in the U.S. And Alabama is closing its COVID vaccine sites as the state's demand plateaus. The Washington Post is using the U.S. to get uh, serious about COVID's origins after calling the Wuhan lab leak theory a debunked controversy. They're counting on, as many in the media, the forgetfulness or the collective ignorance of the American people. Well, Virginia's Loudoun County School Board has taken Tanner Cross's appeal to the state Supreme Court. Uh, court rather, well, the Supreme, um, uh, rather the School Board of Virginia's Loudoun County has appealed a lower court injunction that forced the district to reinstate a gym teacher who was suspended after voicing his opposition to a transgender policy change during a public meeting in which they solicited public opinion on the issue in early June. Byron Tanner Cross declared that he won't affirm that the biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion, it's lying to a child, it's abuse of a child, and it's sinning against our God, end quote. He was speaking out against a district policy proposal that would require teachers and other school staff to address gender-expansive or transgender students with their preferred name, pronouns, and gender. On the 8th of June, a judge of Virginia's 20th Judicial Circuit Court granted Cross' request for a temporary restraining order, effectively reversing his suspension. In Plowman's order, he, and that's the judge, he wrote that he based the move on Cross's likelihood to prevail in his own appeal against the district and on Cross's First Amendment right outweighing the district's claim that his speech was disruptive to school operations. Cross is being represented by attorneys from Alliance Defending Freedom, the legal organization. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Need to take a quick break? We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're winding our way through some of the days, in fact, some of the last couple of days' news. A Virginia district spent $34,000 on critical race theory coaching for administrators, according to documents. And an army of Virginia parents are united against critical race theory insanity, as they refer to it, declaring our protests won't stop. And a Georgia golf pro happened upon a crime scene in progress when he was shot in the head, according to police. A Georgia golf professional, Gene Siller, uh, was shot in the head and killed on Saturday afternoon when he went to check out why a white pickup truck drove on the 10th hole um, in Prime Tree County Club or rather country club. Two other deceased males, Paul Pearson and an unidentified man, were later found in the truck and the suspect is still on the run. Well, now police say that neither the country club nor the golf pro were targeted in the shooting and still, or or rather Siller, tragically, was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Detectives have learned that Mr. um, Mr. Siller happened upon a crime in progress involving the unknown suspect and two deceased males who were found in the pickup truck. Sergeant 
Wayne Delk said in a statement on Tuesday, it doesn't appear he was in any way targeted, but rather was killed because he witnessed an active crime taking place. In other developments, Georgia golf course in the shooting, police still are searching for the suspect. The club was thriving under um, the slain pros influence at the uh, course shooting. Two more bodies were found. The suspect at large, a university of Chicago student hit by a stray bullet has been taken off life support after signaling to family to pull the plug, please. Elsa, the storm became a category one hurricane approaching uh, Florida's West coast. It's now touched ground. An Iowa man has been uh, charged after allegedly bringing a loaded rifle with a laser scope to a Chicago hotel overlooking the beach. And Chris Paul shines as the sun's down the bucks in game one. That was yesterday. Samsung Electronics flags a 53% jump in uh, profit, topping estimates. And a global minimum tax has been spurned by nine countries complicating the New Deal. Nancy Pelosi's husband bet $6 million on big tech as antitrust legislation went to Congress. And OPEC infighting could mean $4 a gallon for gasoline. Well, President Biden says we're going door to door to make sure all are vaccinated. Not all are in favor of the idea. And former President Donald Trump speaks to his supporters in uh, Sarasota Fairgrounds in Sarasota, Florida, uh, on Wednesday, saying that he's going to file a class action lawsuit against Facebook, Twitter, Google and uh, the company's chief executive officers. Today, I'm filing uh, as a uh, Lead class representative, a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, Facebook, Google and Twitter, as well as their CEOs, he said at the press conference. The suits will be filed in the Southern District of Florida. Well, former President Trump said the suits will claim that the companies enact censorship of the American people, hailing the suits as a beautiful development for our freedom of speech. We're going to hold the big tech very accountable. The suit will be um, backed by the American First Policy Institute, a nonprofit launched by former uh, President uh, Trump's administrative uh, administration members to advance the former president's policies. Trump was permanently banned from Twitter and temporarily banned from Facebook following the January 6th Capitol riot when President Trump's supporters breached the Capitol and forced lawmakers to evacuate during the certification of the Electoral College results. Zuckerberg said on January 7th that Trump would be suspended from the platform because he used it to incite violent insurrection against democratically elected government. Facebook extended the ban last month to last at least through January of 2023. At the end of this period, we will determine that there is still, if we determine there is still a serious risk to the public safety, we will extend the restrictions. In response, the president hinted at a potential return to the White House. And that, of course, is former President Donald Trump. In other news, Haitian President um, uh, Moise has uh, was assassinated on Tuesday night in an attempt, uh, rather an attack on his home. The nation's prime minister announced First Lady Martine Moise was hospitalized for gunshot wounds she received in the attack. Unidentified gunmen broke into the president's residence on the outskirts of the capital of Port-au-Prince during the night and opened fire on the couple. A, a, a group of unidentified individuals, some of them speaking Spanish, attacked the private residence of the president of the republic and thus fatally wounded the head of state. The, prince, the prime minister stated the country's security situation is under the control of the Haitian police and armed forces. A democracy and the republic will win. Well, the president, uh, now deceased, has ruled by fiat for the past two years after Haiti failed to hold elections and the parliament dissolved. Meanwhile, a new prime minister, Dr. Ariel Henry, was 
was scheduled to be sworn in on Wednesday. Opposition figures uh, said that the the sitting president should have stepped down on the 7th of February of this year uh, to complete the five-year term. And after Moise refused to leave office, thousands of Haitians protested in the streets. The government responded by arresting 23 people, including a senior judge and police official whom Moise accused of conspiring to assassinate him. Well, former French ambassador to Haiti, Didier Lebret, said the country is at risk of additional violence. Meanwhile, a U.S. citizen of Haitian descent was arrested as one of six potential suspects in the assassination of the Haitian president. Haiti's Minister of Elections and Interparty Relations told the Washington Post that at least one other individual held in custody is believed to be an American citizen. The other four suspects have been killed. Well, last month, we wondered not for the first time about President Joe Biden's mental state. And in fact, some officially raised questions. It's not new under the previous administration. Of course, Donald Trump's um, mental fitness was uh, discussed. We wondered whether he was really up to the job he'd been pushed into by the Democrat Party's desperate desire to get rid of Donald Trump. We're still wondering. And so clearly are a lot of other Americans if a new poll by the Trafalgar Group is any indication. The poll asked one simple question of 1,086 likely voters, a relatively small number, albeit. Do you believe President Biden is fully uh, executing the duties of his office? Well, the results make clear that certain things can't be hidden forever by a complicit mainstream media, as 56.5% of likely voters don't believe Biden is fully in charge, 36.4% believe he is, and 7.1% aren't sure. Well, think about that. Just over a third of us think, and again, this is a small sample group, think Joe Biden is fully carrying out the duties of the presidency. The rest of us, uh, to varying degrees, are pretty sure he isn't. Perhaps even more remarkable is that 31.7% of Democrats don't think Biden is fully in charge. Here it uh, wouldn't uh, it would have been fascinating to know what percentage of that percentage is actually relieved uh, that um, other hard left elements within the Biden White House are actually directing policy. Well, the latest example of Biden's cognitive struggle played out during his visit to a northern Michigan ice cream shop over the Fourth of July weekend when he was asked about the latest Russian cyber attack. He appeared completely at a loss. Uh, while he fumbled around in his uh, coat pocket for some talking points. This is just one of many episodes in which the president, unscripted and forced to think on his feet, failed to do so. Uh, As was mentioned, the media's complicity, because it's worth recalling how uh, differently they treated Trump when he was in office. Recall regular discussions about the 25th Amendment against former President Trump, the amendment that outlines the pattern of succession should a president become incapacitated. Further, recall the media's uh, repeated demands that President Trump take uh, cognitive tests, demands that... uh, have fallen utterly silent during the current administration. Perhaps more than any other American citizen, first-term Texas Republican Congressman Ronnie Jackson is qualified to weigh on this, uh, weigh in on this issue. After all, he um, understands the great strain and the awesome cognitive demands of the American presidency because he served as the White House's physician to both Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Last month, Jackson penned a letter to Biden, co-signed by 13 fellow House Republicans, which urged the president to submit to a cognitive test and share the results with the American people. He also issued a written statement, which read, in part, the American people deserve to have absolute confidence in their president. They deserve to know that he or she can perform the duties demanded of the office, and they deserve to have full transparency on the mental state of their highest elected leader. I would argue that 
the American people don't have the confidence in President Biden. When I was physician to Presidents uh, Donald Trump and Obama, well, primarily Donald Trump, the liberal media relentlessly pushed a narrative that he needed a cognitive test and that it should be um, standard for anyone serving as commander in chief and head of state. I administered the Montreal Cognitive Assessment uh, test to President Trump. Um, And he excelled, given that the procedure set in Biden's clear mental impairment, I believe it is past time he undergo a cognitive test. Well, Jackson said of Biden over the weekend, you don't need to be a physician to look at this behavior and see there's something uh, concerning happening. You can go back. There's 40 years of of tape of this man. He's always made gaffes and stuff, but these are different. He's confused. He's disoriented. He's just not. Uh, aging gracefully at this time. Well, whether or not a test is forthcoming remains to be seen. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, today, First Liberty Institute announced that the IRS has granted tax-exempt status to Christians Engaged. It's a nonprofit organization. They educate and empower Christians to pray for our nation and elected officials to vote and to be civically engaged. Now, the reversal comes after a national backlash against the IRS's initial rejection of the organization. It's a nonprofit, and they were seeking nonprofit status because the IRS claimed, and you might recall, Um, uh, The Bible teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and candidates, end quote. In other other words, the Bible is partisan, which probably comes as uh, news to uh, uh, Christians who are Democrats. Well, this is truly great news for our clients, uh, says uh, Lee Patterson for First Liberty Institute, as well as religious organizations and churches across America. We are grateful the IRS changed course to bring its decision into line with the Constitution and its own regulations. Well, Christians Engaged president um, said, I am incredibly thankful to the IRS for doing the right thing, and we look forward to continuing our mission of educating more followers of Jesus to pray for our nation and to be civically engaged. When we stand up, our republic works for all Americans. Well, Christians Engaged Incorporated in July of 2019 as a Texas nonprofit corporation formed exclusively for charitable, religious, educational, and scientific purposes. From its religious perspective, Christians Engaged provides nonpartisan religious and civic education focused on encouraging and educating Christians to be civically engaged as part of their religious practice. Christians Engaged applied for tax-exempt status in late 2019. On the 18th of May 2021, the IRS Exempt Organizations Director, Stephen Martin, denied their application, contending that Christians Engaged engages in prohibited political campaign intervention and operates for a substantial non-exempt private purpose and for the private interests of the Republican Party. Well, after the appeal, the director granted the application for 501c3 status. Well, the search for victims of the collapsed uh, Miami area high rise condominium um, has reached uh, a, a much higher um, number on the 15th day with a deal, uh, the death toll rather, at 46, scores still unaccounted for and authorities sounding more and more grim. Miami-Dade Assistant Fire Chief Raid Jadala said family members in a private briefing on Wednesday uh, with workers said that they had pulled 10 more bodies and additional human remains from the rubble, raising the death toll. Crews did some significant removal of the pile. They were able to uh, get down to various uh, areas to inspect. Workers on Tuesday dug through pulverized concrete where the Champlain Tower South Building in Surfside once stood, filling buckets that were passed down in line uh, to be emptied 
and then returned. While a teachers union threatens legal action to defund uh, rather defend critical race theory. Rander, uh, Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers, called the um, woke racist view of history honest history. And uh, Lonnie Chen announced uh, his campaign for California State Controller. I'm excited to announce my campaign for California State Controller. We need a fighter as controller who will be a check on the one-party monopoly in Sacramento, expose fraud and waste in government, and ensure we can account for every penny our state spends. Join me, he said in his announcement. Senator Tom Cotton says Lonnie knows how to be how to balance a budget and root out fraud. He's a man of deep integrity, and he'll make an outstanding controller. We'll see whether or not he can see, succeed in the state of California. Well, a group of thugs hit a Bay Area Neiman Marcus store in broad daylight when stealing is, uh, well, all but legal. Why not go a bit upscale? Well, the reporter has been fired from ESPN for believing a colleague got her job due to diversity. Well, a strange thing to fire someone over the, uh, at ESPN, among other things, they promised to hire based on skin color. ESPN's Rachel Nichols was the one fired from her MBA gig for complaining that Mia, uh, rather Maria Taylor, got her job due to diversity. What's interesting, that very person, Maria Taylor, was the one who complained about discrimination at ESPN in the past. Nobody looks good in this melee. Well, New Yorkers are uh, tiring of the violent crime wave there. The debate is playing out amid a mayoral race that could pit a retired police captain against a GOP nominee who's been a public safety advocate for decades. The New York Police Benevolent Association and other lobbies say anti-police rhetoric is driving cops and detectives to quit or seek early retirement, uh, weakening their ability to fight the crime wave. But the reversal of New York bail reforms tops their wish list. Well, LGBTQ characters in children's shows are the result of years of activist planning, according to a new report. From the story, the rise of gender-diverse representation isn't a coincidence, Insider reports. Shows created and run by uh, queer women, trans, and non-binary showrunners are largely responsible for the influx of non-binary and trans characters in kids' animation. One way activists have accomplished this is by getting around the typical merit-based hiring process and searching specifically new staff that are members of the LGBTQ community. Katie Pavlich says the White House is misrepresenting voting rights status in America. During the daily White House briefing Tuesday afternoon, reporter April Ryan falsely stated that voting rights in the United States have collapsed. Well, the claim comes as states across the, uh, the country implement popular voter identification laws and ban ballot harvesting. In other news, government and politics uh, make America secure again. The public is losing faith in Biden on immigration. And more than 500 have been charged for the February, rather the January 6th Capitol riot. And national security, Russians uh, tried hacking the Republican National Committee and the Pentagon canceled a massive Jedi cloud contract after a drawn out battle among tech giants. Well, defense contractor Raytheon tells the white employees to pay reparations uh, to promote defunding police and to confront privilege. As I mentioned, uh, the Haitian president was assassinated at his home the night before last and vandals burned churches to the ground in Canada amid Truth and Reconciliation Commission reports. Well, French winemakers are fizzing mad after Russia claims the name Champagne and employees in uh, Iceland uh, have started 
working four days a week, apparently it hasn't hurt productivity there. We'll see what happens in the longer term. Meanwhile, remarks by Teachers Union President Randy Weingarten claims the GOP is bullying teachers on race, preventing the accurate teaching of history. The American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten claimed on Wednesday night that many Republican lawmakers are bu- bullying teachers on honest history regarding race during the live-streamed event highlight, uh, rather headlined by the controversial How to Be an Anti-Racist author Ibram um, X. Kendi. There are legislators, mostly from the Republican Party, who are currently bullying teachers and trying to stop us from teaching kids honest history, Weingarten told the audience. In other words, opposition is not going to be uh, brooked. Looking, uh, Look, maybe they ha- are just trying to raise the temperature on race relations because of the next election, she continued. There's no honest disagreement, again, apparently. Weingarten, who leads the roughly 1.7 million member teachers union, has delivered remarks at multiple events this week during the ATF's Teach Virtual Conference 2021, where she has claimed that Republicans are at odds with American teachers. In her remarks during the opening session of the conference, she touched on how culture warriors are labeling any discussion of race, racism, or discrimination as critical race theory to try to make it toxic, which is a mischaracterization uh, characterization of much of the opposition. They're bullying teachers and trying to stop us from teaching students accurate history. Well, the rhetoric around teachers getting bullied has been a common theme during the first two days of the conference. The defensive language comes as individual states and legislators decide whether or not they support or oppose the theory being taught in schools. Earlier today, the lieutenant governor of North Carolina came out against critical race theory. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. In other news, political claims critical race theory curriculum isn't being taught in schools. So what's the controversy? Ohio moms are speaking out after a private school expels their children over their critical race theory pushback. And parents say they're running for local school boards to fight CRT. CNN scolds critics of critical race theory, saying concerned parents don't understand what it is. In other words, they're just too stupid to get it. A critical race theory critic ripped MSNBC's Joy Reid following the teachers union decision to embrace the ideology. I didn't even start my clock. There you go. A Florida grand jury plans to explore ways to prevent another building collapse. The Miami-Dade County grand jury will look into ways to prevent a disaster similar to the collapse of a condo building last month that killed dozens of people and prompted concerns over the structural integrity of high-rise buildings in the region. In a statement released on Wednesday, County State Attorney Catherine Fernandez-Rundle said that she has requested the panel pending the conclusion of a long-term investigation that will determine the cause of the June 24th collapse of the Champlain Towers South Building in Surfside. As a community, we remain shaken and horrified by the immense loss of life and the sheer destruction caused by the collapse of the Champlain Towers South Condominium Building. Uh, Fernandez Rundle said the members of the grand jury enthusiastically agreed to accept this challenge and voted in favor of conducting such an investigation. The panel would look into how to prevent a similar occurrence in all buildings and structures in the coastal, intercoastal and surrounding areas of our county, state and nation, she said. In other developments on the condo collapse, the rescue operation has switched gears into recovery with little hope of more survivors. And multiple lawsuits seek to get answers and assign blame. The coronavirus death toll has hit 4 million worldwide as the Delta variant spreads 
As uh, countries rush to vaccinate their citizens, the global death toll passed 4 million on Wednesday. That's according to Johns Hopkins University. The Delta variant is spreading through some com- uh, countries, rather, where vaccinations lag, causing a wave of death, the World Health Organization chief said on Wednesday. Variants are currently winning the race against vaccines because of inequitable vaccine production. The number of deaths is approximately the number of people killed in every battle since 19. 19- 82. Even then, it is widely believed to be an undercount. Global death rates are currently less than half of the highest point in January, with more than 18,000 deaths a day um, before vaccines were readily available. In other developments, saying, get over it, Dr. Fauci tells unvaccinated Americans to stop with their political statement. After what, a year and a half of political statements? John Kerry is caught uh, maskless at an airport. Uh, in the second mask mishap this year. Now, I'm guessing he's vaccinated, so I'm not sure why this is a huge controversy, unless, of course, he is uh, being hypocritical on the subject. And uh, by the way, federal rules require that uh, airports and other mass transit, I guess masks are required. Connecticut will start reporting coronavirus deaths weekly rather than daily as positivity rates remain low. Uh, The president, former President Trump, uh, is suing Facebook, Twitter, Google over alleged censorship, saying they caused uh, they ceased to be private. And Tucker Carlson says the NSA has been reading his private emails, planning to leak the contents. They're going back and forth over whether or not the NSA uh, is doing just that. And the Times Square suspect, age 16, is in custody after a Marine was injured in the shooting. Lightning struck out or rather shut out the um, Canadians in Game 5 to win the second straight Stanley Cup. The FAA is investigating a Bahamas-bound flight uh, delayed by um, uh, a teen mask rebellion. And YouTuber Zachary Fowler set sail on a kayak made of duct tape. Okay, I just threw that in for good measure. U.S. industry groups and lawmakers suppress the White House to lift travel restrictions. And U.S. states allege Google unlawfully preserves a Play Store monopoly. Uh, John McAfee hideout has been traced to a Spanish ghost hotel with a Bitcoin farm. The NBA continues to um, defend its relationship with the communist Chinese. It's hard to divorce what's happening with the NBA from larger geopolitical issues between the U.S. and China, Silver said, according to NBA.com. I do think it remains important that particularly when tensions are high between governments, that we foster these sports, educational, cultural relationships. While the NBA has been outspoken in demanding social equality in the United States, the league profits off its relationship with China, a country with deplorable human rights issues about which they remain mum. Nike cuts an athlete's deal by 70% after she becomes pregnant. It wasn't just the money that Allison objected to. It was how Nike and other corporations treated pregnant athletes. She asked Nike to provide maternity protection that would shield her from being penalized for performing at a lower level during pregnancy and postpartum recovery. Nike refused. The Tokyo Games will be marred by COVID restrictions. The the organizers, rather, who just last month said that they would allow some domestic spectators are now reconsidering. They've decided no spectators at all. Tokyo Governor Yuriko Koyoki said Wednesday a state of emergency would be reintroduced in Tokyo next week, which would likely mean banning spectators at the events completely. Local media said the end of the emergency would be set for August 22nd, two weeks after the Games finish. 
Well, a gay men's chorus is singing, We're Coming for Your Children, which includes the lyrics, and I'm quoting, The world's getting kinder, Gen Zers, gayer than grinder. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. The gay agenda is coming home. The gay agenda is here. Close quote. A poll finds that among adults 18 to 24, just 36 percent are proud to be American, while over two thirds of adults are proud to be American. This one group was the only one to be sub 50 percent. The next uh, closest was single women at 51 percent. Well, San Francisco thieves uh, led to fewer stores in minority neighborhoods. The reason, in 2014, California passed Proposition 47 as a ballot initiative. Its effect was to render thefts of under $950 in property misdemeanors rather than felonies. Thieves, both of the lone wolf and pack varieties, have been emboldened as the policy change makes it far less likely that they're going to be stopped in the act and far less painful to get caught later. Lieutenant Tracy McCrary of the San Francisco Police Department told the Washington Examiner that criminals are often cited instead of arrested. And that is um, a common uh, for charges to be dropped uh, if the culprit doesn't show on uh, his or her appointed court date, if they just don't show up. And that has resulted in fewer stores in minority neighborhoods. A Black Lives Matter chapter says the American flag is a symbol of hatred. The Utah chapter uh, Uh, Black Lives Matter says when we black Americans see the flag, we know the person flying it is not safe to be around. When we see this flag, we know the person flying it is racist. When we see this flag, we know that the person flying it lives in a different America than we do. When we see this flag, we question your intelligence. We know to avoid you. It is a symbol of hatred. Wow. Stereotyping at its finest. CNN says uh, fossil fuels. By the way, I fly a flag on national holidays. I'm black. CNN says fossil fuels kill more each year than the Holocaust. I'm not sure the math they've come up with, but while that alone is rather silly, they don't note how many people are alive each year due to fossil fuels. That math might just be a little over their heads. And Chick-fil-A has been chosen top fast food restaurant again for the seventh year in a row. McDonald's finished last out of 21 restaurants, although their fries are still pretty good. House Republicans unveiled a legislative plan to break up big tech and stop censorship. You can read more in the Washington Examiner. The IRS has reversed course and grant, uh, granted tax-exempt status to a Christian group. Apparently, the Bible isn't so Republican after all. And around the nation, a district court swats away the private Georgia election bill lawsuit, saying we will continue to meet them and beat them in court. In national security, capital fencing will finally come down as soon as this Friday. And a judge says the Air Force is mostly responsible for a 2017 Texas church shooting. The Air Force, a series of attacks uh, targeted U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. Other notables, good news for criminals. Manhattan's next DA has your back. Bad news for law-abiding citizens. Police have arrested suspects in the Haitian president's assassination And Haiti's future is uncertain after the brazen slaying of its president. On this day in history, 1776, well, I'll let you know at the top of, well, in our next segment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. 
By the way, on this day in history, you might want to know, 1776, Colonel John Nixon gives the first public reading of the Declaration of Independence outside the State House, now Independence Hall in Philadelphia. 1796, the first American passport is issued. 1889, on this day in history, the first issue of the Wall Street Journal is published. 1947, the Roswell Daily Record A New Mexico newspaper quotes officials at Roswell Army Airfield as saying they had recovered a flying saucer that crashed onto a ranch. Officials then say it was actually a weather balloon. To this day, there are those who believe what fell to Earth was an alien spaceship carrying extraterrestrial beings. 1950, presidential, uh, President Harry Truman names George Douglas, or rather General Douglas MacArthur, commander-in-chief of the United Nations Forces in Korea, Truman would fire MacArthur for insubordination nine months later. 2011, Atlantis thunders into orbit on a cargo run that would close out the three decades of U.S. space shuttle, the the shuttle program. And finally, on this day in history, 2014, President Barack Obama appeals to Congress for $3.7 billion in emergency spending to deal with the immigration crisis on the nation's southern border, where unaccompanied children are showing up by the thousands, Republican lawmakers reject that request. And, of course, it continues on our southern border. Well, as mentioned earlier, Olympic or- earlier, Olympic organizers announced on Thursday that they would not allow fans to attend most venues at the Games after a state of emergency was declared in Tokyo in response to a recent COVID case surge stemming from the virus's Delta variant. The notice marked a policy reversal from last month when Olympic officials said the domestic spectators would be permitted despite concerns that the event could trigger a massive disease outbreak. Olympic organizers um, congregated for an emergency meeting on Thursday to discuss a game plan for how the uh, how to conduct the already delayed games given the spike in the region. Well, during a press briefing on Thursday, Japan Prime Minister Yoshida Suga uh, recognized the emerging threat posed by the uh, spread of the new variant, but promised that the Olympic Games would be a testament to the world's resilience and strength in the com- in combating rather the and recovering from the pandemic. I want to transmit to uh, them a message from Tokyo about overcoming hardship with effort and wisdom. The president said. Well, is Joe Biden all talk and no action? That's the question Thomas Gallatin asks. Biden certainly talked a big game when he warned Russian President Vladimir Putin last month in Geneva that certain infrastructure should be off limits to attack, period, by cyber or other means. Recall that a few weeks prior, Colonial Pipeline had experienced a ransomware attack that forced a days-long shutdown of some 5,000 miles of pipeline in the southeast, creating fuel shortages and gas price hikes. It was quickly determined that the culprit was a Russian-based organization with clear ties to the Kremlin. Well, in drawing his red line, the president gave Putin a list of 16 do-not-touch areas, promising if, in fact, they violate these basic norms, we will respond with cyber. Uh, He knows, Biden further um, elaborated, we agreed to task um, efforts in both our countries to work on specific understandings about what's off limits for hacking and to follow up on specific cases that originate in either of our countries, close quote. Well, haven't helped the American entities that didn't make the list, Biden's list, and are thus apparently fair game, assuming Putin wasn't uh, laughing at this uh, threat 
all the way back home. Indeed, Biden's red line was crossed just last week. It appears clear that Russia's uh, Foreign Intelligence Service, or SVR, was behind a cyber attack. This is um, official Russian government. Uh, behind a cyber attack on Republican National Committee contractor. It's the same group that in 2015 hacked the Democratic National Committee. So far as um, intentions and purposes, Putin has called Biden's bluff. Will Biden follow through on his promised response? It's an open question. If the U.S. doesn't respond, it will be open season on America's digital infrastructure, contends the Wall Street Journal's editorial board. Proportionate retaliation runs the risk of escalation. But after publicly drawing a red line, Mr. Biden has no choice lest he show Mr. Putin and other thugs around the world that the U.S. president's words are empty. Thus far, the administration has done nothing, which uh, will only serve to further embolden Putin and others, whom Biden earlier this uh, year called a killer, as well as America's other adversaries like China. Speaking of China, last week, a clearly emboldened President Xi Jinping drew his own line in the sand during the Communist Party celebration of its centennial. Xi issued a clear warning to the United States not to stand in China's way in its effort to take over Taiwan. Whoever attempts to do that, Xi warned, will surely break their heads on the steel Great Wall built with the blood and flesh of 1.4 billion Chinese people, end quote. Well, if Biden doesn't hold Putin accountable beyond another stern warning, the likelihood of, uh, well, of him confronting China's aggression against Taiwan seems, well, even more implausible. Speaking of which, uh, as our 4th of July celebrations were beginning here in the U.S., the U.S. quietly closed and abandoned Bagram Air Base, the largest American military base between the Persian Gulf and the South China Sea. Afghan looters were soon uh, seen scavenging inside the base. Well, the long retreat of the American empire is underway, and this long war is likely to end in bloody retribution of the Afghans who sided with us against the Taliban and are left behind. It's a sobering thought. Well, when the last American departed Bagram, the Wall Street Journal reported that the U.S. is making plans for an emergency evacuation of the American embassy in Kabul amid concern that the worsening security situation in Afghanistan could imperil the remaining military and diplomatic corps. Well, apparently we are preparing for a possible Saigon 75 finish to the war launched by George W. Bush 20 years ago. Pressed by reporters on the grim situation in Afghanistan, President Joe Biden did not want to reflect on or talk about what might be coming. I want to talk about happy things, man, Biden told reporters. Look, it's the 4th of July. It's the holiday weekend. I'm going to celebrate it. There's great things happening, end quote. In that same edition, the journal reported that China has removed 50,000 troops to the border region with India, where forces of the two nations in June 2020 had their bloodiest skirmish in decades. Other reports suggest that China intends to fill the vacuum left by uh, the departure of America's power and provide billions from its uh, Belt and Road Initiative to build a highway from Kabul, Afghanistan to Peshawar, Pakistan. As America executes its um, strategic retreat from Central Asia, China is on the move. Now, this is a sobering thought with significant implications. In addition to militarizing its frontier with, in, uh, with India, China is reasserting its um, maximalist claims to the South China Sea, ending independence and crushing democracy in Hong Kong, continuing cultural genocide against the Uyghurs, and regularly sending swarms of warplanes toward Taiwan to transmit the message to Taipei that annexation is but a matter of time. 
nor was Chinese President Xi Jinping's address on the 100th anniversary of the establishment of the Chinese Communist Party an exercise in nuance. We'll never accept insufferably arrogant lecturing from those master teachers, Xi said, drawing a roar from the crowd of party members and veterans clad in a Mao suit. Xi had other warnings for those who seek to stand in the way of the communist Chinese destiny. The Chinese people will never allow foreign forces to bully, oppress, or enslave us. Whoever nurses delusions of doing that will crack their heads and spill blood on the great wall of steel built from the flesh and blood of 1.4 billion Chinese people. Undeniably, Xi and his predecessors have an awesome record as the Financial Times related. China's emergence Over the past four decades, ranks as the biggest and longest-run economic boom in history. Its annual gross domestic product rose from a mere $19 billion, or $195 per capita, capita, in 1980 um, to $14.3 trillion, or $10,261 per capita in 2019. It has raised more than 770 million people from poverty and transformed the Chinese economy into a high-tech powerhouse that is on course to eclipse America in size. This transformation is the landmark achievement of the Chinese Communist Party, which celebrates its 100th anniversary on Thursday, and that's past tense. Well, China's growth could not have been achieved had it not been for the U.S. decision to throw open the world's largest consumer market to Chinese-made goods, to bring Beijing into the World Trade Organization, and to sit idly by as a huge slice of U.S. industry and manufacturing uh, manufacturing was trans um, transshipped to China for production there and not here. Between 1990 and 2021, U.S. imports of Chinese-made goods provided Beijing with trillions it has accumulated to finance its strategic objectives in becoming the first power on Earth. But this is water over the dam. Where do we go from here? Well, China's assets are impressive. We'll tell you where we go from here in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Just before the break, after that impressive litany of accomplishments by the Chinese Communist Party, the question is, where do we go from here? Well, China's assets are impressive. At 1.4 billion people, it has the largest population on Earth. If its growth rate continues, it will have the largest economy. Its strategic arsenal of nuclear weapons is a fraction of ours, but given the horrendous damage these weapons can do, a nuclear war would be ruinous, if not um, mortal, for both countries. In terms of conventional military, ships, soldiers, planes, guns, missiles, and bases in the East Asia-Western Pacific theater, where any war between us would be fought, China's advantages are greater, and of the issues over which we might fight, islands, rocks, reefs in the South and East uh, China Seas and Taiwan, none of them is claimed by us or vital to us. All are claimed by China as rightly theirs. In the Cold War with the USSR, time, it turned out, was on our side. But in the last decade, Xi Jinping might fairly see time as having switched sides. Either way, we're surely better off from uh, relying uh, upon our abilities rather than our weapons uh, to win the competition and settle the rivalry that may settle the future of mankind. Again, it's rather um, rather frightening to consider, and I hope we're spending a significant time on our knees, just not just praying for the preservation and the future of the United States, but for the Chinese people as well. Well, as I mentioned, uh, President Xi threw down the gauntlet to the United States in a speech commemorating the 100th anniversary 
uh, there. Um, the broader speech reflected a set of uh, points that have been longstanding Chinese memes and themes, many of which predate the founding of the Communist Party there. Above all, the speech focused on China's and not just the uh, uh, People's Republic of China's efforts to modernize and advance from being one of the most backwards nations to resuming its place as a global leader. To this end, it's striking uh, that Xi um, placed the uh, Chinese Communist Party's development and programs alongside such events as the Taiping Revolution, the Chinese Civil War that was the bloodiest conflict in the 19th century, the Tang um, Chi uh, Restoration and the Boxer Rebellion. All of these were characterized as efforts at reforming China in order to modernize and progress. The salient difference, according to uh, Xi, is that these previous efforts all failed, whereas the communist Chinese uh, uh, efforts have succeeded. Uh, this goes to the heart of the century of humiliation and the fall of China from economic and political preeminence in Asia and arguably the world to becoming the sick man of Asia. Xi noted that while China was exploited by foreign powers, and particularly the United Kingdom during the Opium Wars, it was also internally weak and backwards. Xi described it as semi-feudal, and that's arguably accurate, certainly in the Chinese countryside of the 19, uh, early 19th century or 20th century. This domestic uh, weakness, in turn, made China vulnerable to foreign depredation. Um, it was the... Uh, Chinese Communist Party, Xi emphasized, that broke China out of this backwardness. In essence, uh, it earned the support of the Chinese people through its demonstrated effectiveness. And for this reason, he went on to state, any effort to separate the uh, Chinese Communist Party from the Chinese people is doomed to failure, at least fierce opposition from the party, making the point that the CCP is here to stay. Well, there's much more that could be said, but we covered that as much as I think we need to at this point. And other news a bit closer to home, periodically it's worth uh, checking teachers' union priorities, such as reviews, um, or rather such reviews, find just how much these special interest groups are disconnected from mainstream opinion on the role of schools in society. We also find how singularly focused they are on political fads, such as the toxic ideology of CRT, critical race theory, instead of improving the state of American education. I think that's really worth noting, um, the, uh, the, the commitment to the singular focus of, um, on political fads uh, such as the latest, which is critical race theory, instead of improving the state of American education. Well, the most recent example of this uh, mission, uh, this mission creep, as I think uh, it might be worth noting, was noted by Lindsay Burke as she wrote a column on the u union's double down on inserting critical race theory into education, is a slate of uh, CRT-based resolutions, the National Education Association, the uh, country's largest teachers union, adopted at its 2021 annual meeting earlier this month. The NEA adopted new business item 39, a massive commitment to push critical race theory in public school classrooms across the country. The intent of the resolution is to uh, um, disestimate the study that critique empire, white supremacy, anti-blackness, anti-indigeneity, racism, patriarchy, cis, um, this is a whole new one to me, cis-heteropatriarchy, capitalism, ableism, anthropocentrism, and other forms of power and oppression at the intersections of our society. 
I hope you caught that. Every ism is out to get you and the union is devoting money from their teachers' paychecks to make sure you feel threatened. Well, Part C of the resolution notes the association will further convey that in teaching these topics, it is reasonable and appropriate for curriculum to be informed by academic frameworks for understanding and interpreting the impact of the past on current society, including critical race theory. Close quote. Well, contrary to those who claim teaching critical race theory isn't happening in the classrooms, as stated in a recent uh, NBC headline, the NEA resolution promotes the use of the doctrine in 14,000 school districts across the country. The union also adopted New Business Line 2, uh, which supports the NEA doing research into organizations critical of efforts to infuse critical race theories, discriminatory practices into elementary and secondary schools across the country. The item specifically states the attack on anti-racist teaching are increasingly coordinated by well-funded organizations such as the Heritage Foundation, that radical group. I added that editorially. We need to be better prepared to respond to these attacks so that our members can continue this important work. Now, it's interesting to me that honest debate, honest disagreement, honest concerns about the, the kind of propaganda and misinformation that makes up critical race theory uh, is being characterized as uh, radical racist opposition. So to raise one's voice with legitimate concern and on legitimate grounds is not tolerated because you cannot be tolerated. And this ought to be of great concern to parents and educators who will be forced to teach it. That's where we are headed uh, in our education system. That's what the NEA endorsed um, most recently. In other news, Red State editor Kira Davis got the message. Facebook's obsession with extremism is leaking out. So did Newsmax's John Cardillo and Virginia State House Delegate Nick Freitas and uh, writer and commentator Alex Berenson. But strangely, no one on the left appears to have gotten it. Nope, none of those folks from the anti-American party, uh, the party of kneelers, rioters, statue topplers, asserters of of uh, uh, hatred of the wealthy and the white, and particularly the male who founded the nation. The it in this case is an Orwellian notification from Facebook that seems to have been directed at conservatives, but not progressives. The message reads, are you concerned that someone you know is becoming an extremist? We care about preventing extremism on Facebook. We care enough to define it, um, I adding. Others in your situation have received confidential support, end quote. Below that is a call to action, how you can help, hear stories and get advice from people who escaped violent extremist groups, followed by a clickable get support button. Uh, not the um, Babylon Bee has uh, uh the uh, has cataloged the various if then scenarios uh, being played by the uh, or deployed by the Facebook uh, to keep you safe from extremists in your life. It seems like overkill, though, if you will uh, pardon the violent extremism, if the goal is to root out those 22 violent extremists that Joe Biden keeps talking about when he says terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. But then again, we thought um, it was overkill when Facebook uh, exercised uh, Donald Trump's demons by banning him from its platform for at least two years. Same with its deployment of uh, circular fact checks for every bit of COVID-19 news uh, its censors did not agree with, whether or not it was uh, supportable uh, in terms of um, science. Well, in any case, Facebook, in addition to allowing you to lord it over your friends about just how smart your kids are or how clever your cat is or how 
uh, great that trip to the lake was. It now encourages folks to rat out their friends for wrong thinking and other potential thought crimes. Uh, as Cordille pointed out, uh, this just uh, popped up when I checked my Facebook app, and you doubt the NSA is illegally spying on Tucker Carlson and every other conservative. And if it's really extremists that they're looking for, former lefty Dave Rubin announced that he's on the case. I just reported AOC, Omar, and Tlaib, he tweeted. Well, or as uh, Brinson put it, yeah, I'm becoming an extremist, an anti-Facebook extremist. Confidential help is available. Who do you think they are? Either uh, they're a publisher and a political platform legally liable for every bit of uh, content they host or they need to stay out of the way. Zook's choice. Well, this, in a nutshell, is the conservative argument against Facebook's constant suppression of speech that's thought uh, police find fearful. It's either a publisher or a platform, but it shouldn't be allowed the privilege of both. Well, that's where we stand today. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Went a little long. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, the headline read, Cell Phones and Cancer. New UC Berkeley study suggests cell phones sharply increase tumor risk. Well, a new UC Berkeley research is drawing a strong link between cell phone radiation and tumors, particularly in the brain. Researchers took a comprehensive look at stati- statistical findings rather, from 46 different studies around the globe and found that the, u- the use of a cell phone for more than 1,000 hours or about 17 minutes a day over the, uh, a 10-year period increased the risk of tumors by 60%. Researchers also pointed to findings that showed cell phone use for 10 or more years double the risk of brain tumors. I suppose it depends on how and where you're holding one. Uh, Joel Moskovitz, who is the director of the Center for Family and Community Health with UC Berkeley School of Public Health, conducted the research in partnership with Korea's National Cancer Center and Seoul National University. Their analysis took a comprehensive look at statistical findings from case control studies from 16 countries, including the U.S., Sweden, the United Kingdom, Japan, Korea, and New Zealand. Cell phone use highlights a host of public health issues, and uh, it is uh, received little has received little attention in the scientific community, unfortunately, Moscovich says. Well, cell phone use has increasingly become part of people's daily lives, especially with the emergence of, of smartphones. Recent uh, figures from the Pew uh, Research Center show that 97% of Americans now own a cell phone of some kind. This, as more and more people have become dependent on their mobile phones as an um, integral mode of communication. In fact, an increasing number of people have ditched their landlines at home, relying solely on their cell phones as their sole device for telephone communication. Well, figures from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's National Center for Health Statistics found that 61.8% of adults have decided to go wireless only. With the increased use of mobile devices, the research has been um, vast and their potential link to cancer concerning. The findings have varied and at times they've been controversial. Well, many studies look into the health risks of cell phone use. Uh, They've been funded or partially funded by the cellular uh, phone industry, which critics argue can skew research results. Moscovich, he emphasized that these studies have been controversial and is a highly sensitive political topic with a significant economic ramification for powerful industry. The position held by federal regulators points to a lack of evidence uh, showing a direct link. 
To date, there is no consistent or credible scientific evidence of health problems caused by the exposure to radio frequency energy emitted by cell phones, the Food and Drug Administration stated on its website. The FDA also said that the Federal Communications Commission has set a limit on radio frequency energy that remains acceptable for protecting the public health. Well, UC Berkeley researchers noted that in 2017, California regulators alerted the public of potential health risks related to cell phone use, although some felt the warning didn't go far enough. In its alert, the California Department of Public Health said, although the science is still evolving, some laboratory experiments and human health studies, well, they've suggested the possibility that long-term high use of cell phones may be linked to certain types of cancer and other health effects. End quote. Well, the agency also provided advice on how to reduce exposure, including keeping phones away from your body and carrying devices in a backpack, briefcase or purse. Health experts said cell phones should not be held in a pocket, a bra, a belt, a holster as a phone uh, antenna tries to stay connected with the cell tower whenever it's on, emitting radio frequency energy even when it's not in use. Experts also suggest when not in use, putting the phone in airplane mode, which turns off cellular Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. When on a, a cell, experts advise avoid uh, holding the phone up to your head and instead use the speaker uh, feature or a headset. Experts also said um, you should reduce or avoid use of your phone when there's only one or two bars displayed showing the strength of connectivity, cell phones put out more RF energy to connect with cell tire, uh, towers rather, when the signal is weak. The um, research is ongoing. Well, after a prolonged period of social isolation, Americans are dusting off their social calendars. But as Americans try to rebuild and reconnect, a new survey conducted by the Survey Center on American Life finds that the social landscape is far less favorable than it once was. Over the past three decades, the number of close friends Americans have have plummeted. Well, this friendship recession is particularly bad for men. The percentage of men with at least six close friends fell by half since 1990, from 55% to 27%. The study also found the percentage of men without any close friends jumped from 3% to 15%, a five-fold increase. Well, single men fare the worst. One in five American men who are unmarried and not in a romantic relationship report not having any close friends. Even men with a couple of close friends are not in great shape. When it comes to our social circles, size matters. Americans with one close friend are not any less lonely or isolated than those without any close friends. And those with a couple of close confidants are only modestly better off. For those with three or fewer close friends, loneliness and isolation are fairly common experiences. More than half say that they have felt that uh, felt that way at least once in the past seven years. The bad news doesn't end there. Not only do men have smaller friendship circles, uh, they report being less emotionally connected to the friends they do have. Both men and women benefit from developing strong emotional bonds with their friends, but women are more successful in establishing those types of relationships. The study finds that women report far higher rates of emotional engagement with and support from their friends. This uh, type of intimacy matters. Americans who receive regular emotional support from their friends are far less likely to report feeling anxious or alone than those who do not. And this is true independent of how many friends they have. 
One common explanation for why men are less able to develop and maintain close relationships is that traditional norms of masculinity make the task of building and sustaining healthy friendships more difficult. Compared to women, men feel less comfortable sharing their feelings. More on that when we return in just a few moments to wrap things up. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. I have to tell you, I just had the cutest countdown to start this segment with uh, James' daughter, Verity. She's just the cutest little thing. Anywho, we were talking about a new study that indicates that men are suffering from what they're calling a recession in terms of friendship, a friendship recession. Now, compared to women, men feel less comfortable sharing their feelings, being vulnerable or seeking emotional support from their friends, and they go about it in a different way. And while there may be some truth to this, the story is more complicated. Younger men who are far more likely to reject traditional notions of masculinity struggle the uh, the most with developing enduring social bonds. Now, a more obvious explanation may be that women are more likely to put in the work. Research says that women tend to invest more time in maintaining their friendships than men do. In a recent interview, psychotherapist and author Robert Garfield suggests that men stash their friendships away, reaching out at infrequent interviews. There are structural factors at work as well. In a 2019 research project with Ryan Streeter, it was found that the higher rates of loneliness among millennials was due primarily to lower religious involvement, lower marriage rates, and greater geographic mobility. Once accounting for these factors, millennials were not lonelier than baby boomers if men are marrying later than women on average and are less connected to religious communities it may further exacerbate the friendship gap while the final explanation may be found in uh, changes rather to the workplace the most common place americans develop close uh, relationships is on the job most men and women say they've formed a close friendship at work but as americans work longer hours switch jobs more often and increasingly avoid coming to the office altogether or are forced to do so by oh, I don't know, a pandemic, developing uh, workplace friendships may prove more difficult. Well, that certainly has been the case for us in recent months. Well, all of that said, I wanted to uh, point out that thousands are expected to assemble for the Christian Men's Ministry Promise Keepers Annual Conference that's coming up next week for a gathering that will emphasize the building of healthy marriages and relationships. It's going to be held at the uh, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, on the 16th and 17th of this month. Organizers say the two-day event aims to provide attendees with the tools to be the men Christ intended them to be. Now, one of the scheduled keynote speakers is best-selling author Dr. Les Parrott, uh, the psychologist who co-created eHarmony Marriage with his wife and co-founded the Center for Relationship Development at Seattle Pacific University. He told the Christian Post that the Promise Keepers movement founded in 1990 is primed for this season. Well, in a phone interview, uh, he uh, said that research shows that many men lead rather lonely lives since they don't uh, cultivate relationships as well as they might. This gathering is a kind of a stake in the ground that says, hey, we're coming together. We're investing in an authentic relationship with God, with humility. And not only that, but this is a gathering that crosses generations, denominations, racial divides. It is a, a humble effort to just come together before God and say, we want to be the men you created us to be. Close quote. Well, social scientists are aware of the persistent problem of male loneliness as extensive research. I've just quoted from uh, some research reveals that many men do not have a social network of close friendship. Uh, when we look at the indices of emotional health and even longevity, physical health and so forth, 
This is a vital thing to have those relationships uh, that are authentic connections where uh, you can just relax and be connected to a friend. Well, so often uh, a man becomes uh, driven by his uh, in his identity by what he does. Uh, that is the work, the job. Man can get uh, particularly focused on that. And I've even had friends, a parrot says, who will say that. Uh, if we're going to be friends, we've got to work together on something. It's an interesting phenomenon. Well, other featured speakers will include prominent Hispanic evangelical leader, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, televangelist James Robinson, uh, Robinson uh, New York City megachurch pastor A.R. Bernard, Gateway Church pastor Robert Morris, Dallas Cowboys chaplain Jonathan Evans, and best-selling author Nick uh, Wojcik. Um, and this is all uh, going to be part of this year's event promise keepers 2021 you can go to their website for more information and again that's going to be held on the 16th and 17th of this month uh, at the at&t stadium in texas uh, many thought it wasn't going to be possible because of the pandemic and social in, uh, social engineering well that applies social uh, distancing and isolation and all of that uh, but this year it's going to move forward uh, so once again, if you're interested, you can go to their website for more information. I'll be very interested to see if they can uh, attract the numbers, not just because of the pandemic, but because of the time we find ourselves in uh, for other reasons as well. They're coming together, promise keepers. Well, as promised, James Blind and I are going to uh, gather up our our stuff from our home studios today and haul them back to the studios of KPDQ, where he and I are going to be broadcasting live and in person during the regular broadcast time of the Georgine Rice Show. So this is going to be something neither of us has done for, how many months has it been, James? Uh, let's see, 12, 15, 16 months. So this is going to be rather interesting. We've uh, literally set up, uh, set up broadcasting studios in our homes. I think James has uh, a bit more of an ideal situation than I have. I've been in Dan Rice's office. I'm surrounded by... Um, all kinds of musical instruments, all kinds of books, and um, just all kinds of stuff. I've had to pack things up every day so he can at least have access to his computer, his desk, and his uh, instruments because invariably every day he spends time doing music of some kind or listening to music. And so it's been a bit of a challenge for he and I. He has been so gracious to uh, give me access to his desk and his office all of these months uh, with the exception of the, the period in which I wasn't doing any broadcasting at all and was quite ill. So I really want to thank Dan Rice for being so sweet about sharing his office with me. My goal for this uh, this afternoon is to clear out all of my things and to give his office back to him. Now, the only time I might return is if, for example, we have a snow day. And many are predicting because of the very hot weather we had are having this summer, we're going to have some very cold weather this winter. So that's a possibility. Rather than uh, trying to make our way through dangerous weather conditions, we now have the ability to broadcast from home. And so it's possible that on those rare occasions, we would be able to do that. In any case, the plan is to return to normalcy as we once knew it back in March uh, uh, or February of 2020. And so we're looking forward to uh, working through uh, the auspices of KPDQ beginning tomorrow and moving forward. So I hope you will join us. We're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news. We'll share the Christian outlook, and we'll also look at headline news as well. So I hope you'll join us. I want to thank James Blind for producing, Clark Hilton for engineering, and Dan Rice, bless your heart for the use 
of your office. Thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day, and I hope you will join us tomorrow broadcasting live from the studios of KPDQ. I hope I remember what all the buttons are for and how to speak into that mic, but I'm looking forward to, to going back home to KPDQ. I hope you'll join us for that. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.